Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Rum Buncher Radio. We are back to start off the month of November now. Thank you for joining us as we recap the 2022 Pittsburgh Pirates season. Going to preview the offseason as well here. As we get into the show, i got to introduce my guy, Cody Duncan. Coming on the podcast for the first time, Cody uh, writes for us at rumbunter.com. Does an excellent job. You might have seen his tweets. Uh, constantly sharing all kinds of information and his opinions and and everything that you need to know about Pirates baseball on Twitter as well as rumbunter.com. So, Cody, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight, man. Want to get to know you a little bit better tonight. We have Marty as well, as always. Uh, but as we get it started, Cody, how are you doing tonight, man? And just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, and what was this season like for you? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, uh, I'm, I know this was the first time I've been on this show. I've been trying to go on, get on here. Um, I've just been a little bit too busy, but I'm glad you guys invited me to to join the show. Um, but yeah, the season in a, in a whole, um, obviously it was pretty disappointing on a win to loss standpoint, but I did see some positives and obviously we can talk about that later on in the show, but I saw some positives. There's a lot of negatives, um, but I did see some, some, some hope uh, or, you know, light at the end of the tunnel on some, some things. Uh, but uh, the question you ask of how I became a Pirates fan, well, I actually was born in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. So most of my f- family are actually Tampa Bay Rays fans. Um, and then we moved uh, to uh, probably about an hour north of Pittsburgh uh, when I was younger. And I just uh, grew up uh, all Pittsburgh uh, Steelers, um, obviously Pirates. Baseball was definitely my first love um, out of all sports. So I just grew up watching the Pirates. And um, unfortunately, I was born in 1993, so uh, I haven't really got to see a lot of uh, successful teams. But uh, I remember my first uh, first Pirates game. It was uh, uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals. It was uh, back in 2000 when they played at Three Rivers Stadium. And uh, Mark, Mark McGuire, I believe that series had four or five home runs. I'm not even kidding you. And we lost that game that I went to, my first ever game. Uh, we lost 19 to five, I believe it was. So that was my introduction to being a uh, Pirates fan. Man, that is brutal. Uh, if you're a Pirates fan, you probably already hate the Cardinals, but that's a pretty traumatic experience to get it started there. Um, you know, but I think at this point, you've at least had some positive memories with the Pirates. You look at the, the run from 2011 into 2015, 16, even into 17 for a little bit. We don't talk about 2018 too often on here, but, uh, you know, it, it really has been a, a difficult team to follow at times. What keeps you motivated and passionate about this team now that you're writing about them and, you know, constantly defending them on Twitter? Well, I mean, that has a little bit to do with it. I mean, obviously, um, I was fortunate 
Uh, I'm fortunate to write for Rum Bunter, but I also have a, you know, a following on Twitter that really um, inspires me to keep at it. Um, I, I enjoy. I, I have a passion for talking about uh, baseball in general, but especially the Pirates. Um, but uh, Twitter and obviously writing uh, for or about the Pirates that keep, definitely keeps me going for sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, you're you're one of the more active. I think. Twitter users when it comes to Pirates baseball. How do you view Pirates fans in that realm on Twitter? You know, I, I think there's spats at times amongst Pirates fans on Twitter. And, um, you know, I, I think there's times where it's been great to, to rally around what the team is. And I think Realm Hunter's been a great place for that. But, you know, you've had a lot of personal experiences on the Twitter side of things. What's it like dealing with that on a week-to-week basis? Well, they are, um, I would say, Pirates fans on Twitter are very passionate they do care i know i get a lot of comments and i'm sure uh you know uh marty does too but uh a lot of comments when we post something about the pirates or anything like that you'll get comments saying nobody cares or anything like that but really i think a lot of there are a lot of pirates fans out there and they they still are passionate about the team because if they did not care they wouldn't be constantly complaining about what's going on with the team. Um, you know, I think there's a lot, like I said, I think there's a lot of positives with this organization. Um, I, I think, I think a lot of people on Twitter see that, but I also think that, um, you know, people, especially well, Pirates fans on Twitter, I think they're just so sick and tired of losing that sometimes they just voice their frustrations uh, maybe to um, you know, Marty or or myself, or or Nick, of course. No doubt, it's uh, Twitter's. A, I think a good space to to share your thoughts and opinions. And I think at times there's been lack of direction within this organization. We've talked about that on here quite often. There's been times where you know we felt great about this front office and the way things are headed. But it's interesting to kind of get those opinions on Twitter and you know kind of test the waters with Pirates fans. I know you get to do a lot of that. You get to do a lot of writing as well. And, you know, you wrote a lot throughout this 2021, 2022, excuse me, season. One that, uh, you know, was another hundred loss year and, and another year where it just was uncomfortable to be a Pirates fan and didn't feel like the direction was necessarily there at times. Just your your general thoughts. We'll get more specific here as we, we get into the podcast. But what do you think about 2022? Well, like I said earlier, the you know obviously the win loss uh, on you know the column that um, you know that was obviously terrible and nobody likes, especially if you're a fan of a team, you don't want to experience a hundred loss season because especially back to back seasons, um, you know when you're you're basically being told you know trust the process and sometimes you you don't see that process when at least on the the win loss column. So um, I did. In general, in 2022, of course, I enjoy um, the season regardless of wins and losses. So it might be a little bit different um, to me compared to some because I just enjoy watching baseball in general and, and talking about the Pirates. But, you know, as a whole, I was I, I'm not going to lie. I was disappointed with some of the um, decisions that were made in the front office, um, you know, they they claim that they, that you know they were turning into a player uh, centric or have a player centric culture, but they you know proved once again it was kind of the same old same old with 
you know, the service manipulation time, uh, you know, with Ruinzi Contreras, uh, O'Neill Cruz, I don't even want to get started with him uh, when it comes to uh, service time. And then, you know, obviously um, they uh, did that with Jackson Winsky later in the season when he was starting to struggle. So, you know, I, I the, the biggest thing for me is I just didn't want to see guys like Josh Van Meter, uh, Greg Allen, you know, these veterans that were, uh, you know, signed uh, and then struggled mightily and were still playing throughout the majority of the season. Now, that's not uh, what Pirates fans want. Um, that's not what uh, baseball should want. They should want, you know, more exciting, young, talented guys in the system ready to play, play. Yeah, it's time. We've talked about that a, a good bit, and we saw a little bit of that this year, but there's a lot of flaws uh, in the way they went about it, of course. Marty, as we kind of look at really the end of the season, because throughout the year, we were able to recap it in parts, but, you know, as we, we kind of look at the very end here and, and talk about your overall thoughts, do you think that there was any... I don't even know what the words for it are. Do you think that the direction was spun in a, any kind of positive direction at the end? Because there was a time there where it felt like, you know, things were, were going to need to be entirely blown up yet again. Did, did the month of September make you feel better about the way that uh, the front office is handling this group? You know, the month of September, I think the, the biggest takeaway you got to have out of that, you know, looking for positives was the starting rotation. Um, I wrote about this not long after the regular season ended, but their final 42 starts, so essentially the last seven turns for the rotation, so in about a little more than a month, about a month and a half worth of work, the rotation was pretty good. And what was most encouraging was the guys who were making those starts are guys who you're going to lean on big time next year. It was Ronzi Contreras, it was Mitch Keller, it was Johan Oviedo, it was JT Brubaker. So that, that's what you wanted to see, I think. It, you know, looking ahead to next season – is there work that still needs done with the starting rotation? Absolutely. Absolutely. They've got to add, in my opinion, at least one, if not two, proven veterans in the offseason and free agency. But a trio of Ronzi Contreras, Mitch Keller, and Johan Oviedo to build that rotation around is the best starting rotation trio the Pirates have had in quite a while, um, especially if Contreras and Oviedo can take another step forward next year. And Mitch Keller can just repeat what he did this year and prove that this year wasn't a fluke, but instead him taking that step forward. So, I mean, there's definitely still a lot of question marks there at the rotation. Hell, even those, there's a lot of question marks. But if you look at what they did in the month of September, that can be seen as nothing but positive heading into next year. Because if Contreras, Oviedo, and Keller can do for a full season what they did over the course of the last, you know, six, seven weeks of the year, and really for – Contreras and Keller's case, but they did pretty much all year, they're going to give you a chance to win more times than not. And, you know, a full season, you're looking at 90-plus starts between the three if everything goes right. And if those three guys are going to give you 90-plus starts, well, all three of them are pitching to, you know, 3.5 or so ERA or better, you're going to I – mean, you might not necessarily win a lot of those games because you're still going to have a lot of questions with your bullpen and rotation – but you're going to have a shot to win a lot of those games because they're going to keep you in and give you five, six, seven strong most nights. You know, it'll be a finally a major league competitive roster. We haven't seen that much the last few seasons. We've talked about some negatives, guys. If there was one thing that, that you liked the most about 2022, 
maybe it was Mitch Keller or some of those pitchers you're just talking about there, Marty. What would that be? Because there were certainly some positives. There was some light at the end of the tunnel, at least. I mean, for me, the biggest positive in 2022 just – and I, personally, I don't think it was a close second – has to be Mitch Keller. Um, for so long, we watched him struggle. For so long, we sat there and we're just like, man, is this guy ever going to figure it out? Should he even still be in the rotation? He was taken out of the rotation, what, four or five starts into the year. And from the time he was taken out of the rotation to the end of the year, he was a completely different pitcher. So to, to me, that has to be the biggest positive, not just to see the guy finally turn it around, not just see the guy finally put it all together, but because that the way he pitched from the middle of May on, was he a number one top of the rotation arm? No, but he was a solid number two type arm that, you know, can help anchor a, a starting rotation of a really good club. So, you know, Mitch Keller turning it around, finally putting it all together is a huge step in the right direction for this entire starting rotation and for this entire team long-term. And to me, that just, it has to be the biggest positive of the 2022 season. What about you, Cody? Yeah. I mean, Marty's almost a hundred percent correct. If not, you know, dead on, but uh, if I had to choose one um, positive for 2022, it's the emergence of uh, Jack Sawinski and his power. Um, you know, we got that trade. Uh, he was traded with uh, Tucapita Marcano two summers ago for Adam Frazier. And he, he kind of was a guy that you didn't really think too much of about in, during that trade because everyone w was all about, you know, Marcano. Uh, but Sawinski came in, um, started the season in double A, showed a lot of pop. Um, I guess I can't remember how he got caught up. I believe there were some injuries um, and he came up and, you know, for the first part of his season in the MLB, uh, he, he led the, he led the, or all rookies in the NL for, with home runs, at least in, you know, for a short part of the season and actually ended the season with the most home runs tied with Michael Harris for uh, the, in the NL. So, I mean, that was that was a very positive uh, thing for 2022 just because the Pirates were really lacking um, in depth with uh, outfielders in, the, in their system. And him coming along, especially when not a lot of people thought he uh, – or maybe he was just an afterthought. Uh, now he's, he's looked at as a guy that you kind of pencil in for right field at least or, – or left field for, for 2023. Yeah, really cool story there. And, you know, Jack Sawinski kind of felt like one of those movie-type stories almost. He's from Chicago, comes up, you know, hits the big home run in Chicago. And there was a few stories like that throughout the season. I mean, the Pirates got no hit this year and won the game. There, there was just some crazy things, uh, you know, about this 2022 season that I don't think people will forget. Obviously, the losing, uh, you know, doesn't feel good. But there were some things that, that you can certainly um, – you know, look at and feel comfortable about. Cody, we haven't had you on, obviously, uh, in, in the history of our show here and in, in the history of Ben Charrington, uh, his time with the Pirates. What do you think has been the best trade? Uh, I, I honestly didn't feel great about the Marcano trade at the time. It's worked out to an extent, but, um, you know, as you look at kind of the landscape of these trades, what's been your favorite so far? I mean, that's definitely a uh, one of my favorite trades for sure. 
uh, because you got two guys that um, are probably going to be on the 40-man roster next year um, with a, I would say, a declining Adam Frazier that probably wouldn't be or is definitely not part of the future um, going forward. So that was a great trade. Um, you know, Rowanzi Contreras was, a, in my opinion, was a um, – was one was a top trade uh, for Ben Sherrington, but I think the one that sticks out the most, and I know a lot of people are going to be, uh, you know, this might be an unpopular opinion, but uh, the Joe Musgrove trade uh, that ended up getting us uh, David Bednar and Indy Rodriguez. Everybody knows that I'm a big fan of Indy Rodriguez. I think he's going to be a top. Well, I think after the. Uh, New or once the new MLB pipeline prospect or top 30 prospects come out, I believe he's going to be a top three guy for the Pirates. Um, well, he at least should be, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's number one um, on the at least right now going into 2023, just from what he has done um, in the high A, double A, and now uh, even when the short um, sh- short sample size, of course, but in triple A to end the season. Uh, you know, sometimes you see guys, you know, once they go up a level that they completely, you know, that it's just they're on, you know, they're overmatched. Well, he wasn't overmatched. It looked like every single time he was moving up a level, he was just getting better. Um, and that shows you that one, uh, you know, he can adjust to that type of pitching. And two, um, he has well, if, he also has a great, um, you know, a great, a great approach at the plate, which is big for him because, or big for any player in baseball, because they can, um, you know, they can read pitches better, uh, and uh, you know, definitely move up into the MLB level against those top level pitchers, and can adjust um, quicker than probably most. That's why he's high, that's why he's definitely high uh, on my radar. But that's why it's that's one of my favorite trades because. We had no catching depth um, when Ben Sherrington came in here. And now you got the likes of Henry Davis, which obviously a lot of people are down on him because of his injury-prone season. But I think uh, I think before he was injured, when he was in the, uh, playing at Greensboro, he was, he was one of the best players in the system before he got hurt. Um, so you got him. You got Indy Rodriguez now. You got uh, – I don't know if Blake Sable's going to last as a catcher, but, I mean, he's he's a guy that's proven that he can hit at almost any level he's played at too. So adding that – adding Andy Rodriguez, that's definitely one of my favorite trades uh, because I think he's going to be – I truly think he's going to be a star in the MLB. Yeah, what a fun prospect to watch. Um, you know, you look at that trade. I like what you're saying about Rowan and Contreras too. I think that was an excellent trade. For both parties in that case, too. And, uh, you know, let's continue talking about the minor leagues for a little bit. Some of the, the highlights, because obviously at the major league level, maybe not the most fun group to watch, but all kinds of headlines when it comes to the minor league system. Uh, Marty, what was your favorite thing about the minor leagues this season for the Pirates? And before we, we get there, Cody, it keeps catching my eye. I got to know about your hat. Uh, are you a championship tennis player? <laughs> No, I, well, my team is. I, I coach college tennis. We uh, made it to the um, uh, national championships uh, last May, um, and we made it to the Sweet 16, so we got these hats. Oh, no way, man. What, what college? I coach at, uh, well, we're called now Penn West uh, University, but uh, 
formerly Edinburgh University. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. Well, congrats on the uh, on the run to the natty there. And, uh, you know, good luck with all the tennis. You need to be tweeting about tennis, man. We always see Pirates, Steelers, <laughs> even Pittsburgh, Uni- University of Pittsburgh. The tennis tweets fired off. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know if a lot of, <laughs> a lot of my followers care about tennis too much. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a market out there. You can explore that at some point. Uh, but, Marty, you know, we talk about the minor leagues all the time. We have a minor league minute typically on our show here. What was one thing that really stuck out to you more than anything else? Well, first off, I didn't know till today that Edinburgh University was no longer Edinburgh University. So that's what I learned. That's what I learned in life today. Um, <laughs> but no, for, for the minor leagues, I, I think to me what was stuck out to me the most and was most encouraging was the season that Quinn Priester put together um, coming into the year. There were some question marks there. I don't think anyone ever thought Quinn Priester wasn't going to be good. Um, he, he always projected to be a solid major league starter. But there was always a lot of question marks about whether or not he could take that step to be the top of the rotation guy you expected when you drafted him in the top 20 of the draft 2019. Um, and I think he answered a lot of those questions this year. The fastball added a lot more movement to it. Um, he added a sinker that while the pitch itself didn't generate a ton of success, it changed things up with his repertoire and with his makeup enough to help the other pitches be better. I'm going to put together a really good season in double-A Altoona. Um, honestly, I was a little surprised we didn't see him get the get the Ronzi Contreras treatment from, from two seasons ago and see Priester get a start or two in September for the Pirates. But t- to me, I think that was a huge positive come out of the minors. And, and sticking with pitching, uh, Mike Burroughs adding that changeup. Um, you know, coming into the year, Burroughs needed a third pitch. He didn't just add a third pitch. He added a third pitch that looks like it could be a plus pitch in his changeup. And that was always going to be the difference between Mike Burroughs being a really good reliever, Mike Burroughs being a really good starting pitcher. So I think those two things, those two developments of your starting pitchers in the minors were two of the biggest positives because, you know, in baseball, nothing's more important than starting pitching. And the Pirates all of a sudden have two very legitimate, ready to join the starting rotation in 2023 top 100 starting pitching prospects on their hands and Quinn Priester and Mike Burroughs. And, you, you know, the, there's going to be a lot more that goes to it than this. But if, you know, by midsummer, in theory, in theory, a rotation of those two with Oviedo, Contreras, and Keller could be, you know, pretty dang good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, how about Mike Burroughs? Futures game selection this year. Uh, and like you said, adding that change up, just such a great season. A lot of minor league pitchers I think you feel positive about after 2022. Um, you know, on Quinn Priester, Marty and, and Cody, too, if you have thoughts on it, how early do we see him in 2023, if at all? Well, I know he is uh, kind of struggling in the fall league right now. I don't know if that's going to, um, you know, affect, you know, when he might get called up. I doubt it affects much uh, just because he had a very solid season. But he, uh, I believe he finished the season with a three, uh, a three ERA. You know, he played mostly in, um, in double A Altoona, 15 starts, I believe over 75 innings pitch. So he's, he's a guy that uh, probably needs some time in triple A to start the season, in my opinion, just because of the the injuries that he sustained um, in the beginning of the season, just with the the lack of uh, not 
pitching a lot this past season. So I think I'm okay with him starting it in AAA, getting that experience at least – I would say at least for a couple months to get him adjusted. And if he's, if he's dominating in AAA – I say you give him a you you know you call him up as soon as uh you know as soon as he's he's showing that he's capable of of the next level. You know you you mentioned the fall league where he is struggling. Um, a lot of that came in one start though. I've been doing almost daily updates on the site on on the fall league of pirate prospects. He had one real poor start that kind of drug things down. Um, but I agree with you that him struggling in the fall league shouldn't really impact his timeline at all. You know, the Arizona Fall League, uh, Dominican Winter League, spring training, they all can sometimes be lumped up to where you got to take the stats and throw them out the window because a lot of times players might be working, especially pitchers, might be working on one or two specific things where he might go into a start, doesn't have his fastball that day, but the game plan was for him to work on his fastball. So even though the pitch might not be working, he's going to throw it anyway. And if the pitch isn't working, you're going to throw it anyway. You're going to struggle. But in games like that that don't matter, you're not necessarily concerned about the results. You're concerned about the reps. You're concerned about throwing certain pitches. So that, that's definitely a factor there, too, where, you know, you, you got some, like you said, Cody, those, those stats shouldn't really impact his timeline. Sometimes you got to really take them with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, if all goes according to plan, I mean, I'm assuming Mitch will start the year at AAA Indianapolis. That's where he was by the end of the season. Um or Quinn Priester, excuse me, I know I said Mitch. Quinn Priester will start season of AAA Indianapolis as well by the end of the season. And if all goes according to plan, you got to think by June or July, he's in this rotation on a full-time basis. Um, you know, we might see him before that work out of the bullpen like Contreras this past season or anything of that nature. But, yeah, you got to think of all goes according to plan by June or July. Priester is anchored down in this rotation, and he's going out there every five days, and we're seeing what he can do. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite prospects. Um, you know, let's hope it's a quicker start than Mitch Keller there, uh, Marty, because obviously, um, you know, it's, it's been a slow go at it, but Mitch Keller, I think, has found it now. And uh, I'd like to, to take note here, too, as we kind of wrap on 2022, that we never gave up on Mitch Keller on this podcast. We always believed on him. No, I, I, I might have at least. Um, but it's it's great to see this pitching rotation finally take a turn at the major league level and obviously a lot of help on the way there as well. Guys like Quinn Priester, guys like Mike Burroughs. Been a lot of fun to watch. I'm seeing 5 nothing now, guys, in this Astros-Phillies game number four here. Uh, 7 nothing last night. Are they juicing the balls? What's going on? I don't know, but I got a group chat with two friends of mine who are big Philly fans, and they are, uh, let's just say that, I just said to them there too, I guess you two sound like me every day during baseball season, so they are not having a good time tonight. <laughs> I just know uh, right now. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy yet, but mattress mattress Mac, I believe his name is. He's yeah, got 70, yeah, he's got seventy five million dollars riding on the uh, Astros to win this World Series. So um, yeah, that's that's. I, I don't know how I'd be able to handle that. I, I wouldn't. I could win the money, and it wouldn't matter because I'd probably have a stress induced anxiety heart attack during the World Series. So I'd never live to see it. I mean, 75 million. Well, what's the payout on that? I mean, it's got to be. Well, no, that is the payout. Oh, yeah. okay. It, it was it was some like season long parlay that he hit everything on. And this is the last leg of it was oh, the Astros winning the World Series. Yeah. Oh, like it was one of those like one in like 100 million odds types of things that he would nail this parlay. And the last leg of it is the Astros winning it all. That's hard to hear. I wish it was just 
just this series. It makes it even more stressful that uh, you hit every leg. And then, you know, I feel like, I don't know if you guys gamble at all. And uh, of course, if you're not 21, please don't even think about it. But, uh, you know, if I'm rocking a parlay, especially with baseball, you get to that last leg and, and, you know, you're knocking on the door. That is, uh, that's hard to hear. $75 million. I guess good luck to our guy. Mattress Mac. Mattress Mac. Mattress Mac. Yeah. But um, uh, legally, I can't even gamble. So, uh, oh, man. Because I know because I'm a, a college tennis coach. I can't. Oh, hear. there you go. Very true. So, uh, you heard as, it here as our resident sickos, uh, sicko member committee degenerate on the podcast here, I can say if I ever had a parlay that was that close, I, like last year, not to go off the topic, but last year there was a Saturday during college basketball season where I had like a 17 leg parlay that would have paid out, I think, like six or seven thousand. And I hit 15 of the 17. Um, to this day, I will forever hate Purdue and Illinois basketball for what they did to me that day. And that was over a couple thousand. So I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine this. Oh, my God. 17 legs, Marty. That is. But it's the best time of the year. I cannot yeah, wait. Yeah, I woke up and I was going frisky that Saturday. And it's, it almost hit for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unbelievable. It's just uh, I'm losing years on my life hearing these stories. Uh, let's hope it works out for Mattress Mac. Uh, but, you know, kind of just your thoughts while we're on it, guys, on this World Series, on these playoffs, how all this shook out. And, um, you know, the fact that, that a team like the Phillies can make the World Series and, you know, be in position to potentially win it, does that give you hope maybe for a, a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates? Well, the, the Phillies spend money. No, that's, that's, that's the one big thing, uh, one big difference between them and the, the Pirates. I mean, look how much Bryce Harper's making. I mean – Look, I mean, they they pay their guys to win. And that's – I mean, Bryce Harper is prime example of if you want to win and you want to have top guys to be able to, to win you World Series and get you to that, he's the guy. I mean, that's he's the prime example of why you want to pay a guy like that um, to be in your, you know, in your organization. Uh, it, will the Pirates ever do something like that? I, I – I don't think so. I mean, I want I want to believe they will, but I just you know if they really wanted to, they could go out and I know people will laugh about this, but if they really wanted to, they could overspend and pay for an Aaron Judge if they wanted to, because you know he has the uh, Bob Nutting has the money uh, to be able to you know offer him that type of that type of deal, but he, they just won't. So we have to be we have to rely on uh, obviously other um, other scenarios where you know you get kind of you know you get an, an O'Neill Cruz for set you know for example where you know he's on his rookie contract and maybe maybe he'll be a guy that hits you 40 home runs and that's you have to rely on somebody like that um, but like I said you know the Phillies they don't give me hope at all just because they are uh, they're they're a team that likes to spend and they're going to go for it well, why do you think that is that that Bob Nutting, you know, he, I, I imagine he does have the money to, to be able to make deals like that. Why do you think he won't? And, and, you know, if that is the case, why do you think that he won't sell the team? Well, he's here's the thing with him. The, the reason why he won't sell the team is he's making money. I mean, this is a business to him, probably um, where he probably is, uh, you know, I I read where if you're if you own if you own a, a sports team you're it's it's kind of like a a losing business you don't make a lot of money 
um, if you want to, you know, if you do it the right way. But if you do it the way Bob Nutting does, you're going to profit every year because you're not spending a dime. I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, what was it? Well, Marty, you be, might be able to answer this for me, but what was the, uh, what was the payroll this, this year? Um, give me one second. I want to make sure I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have the number correct. Uh, do, 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 do. About six, about sixty point one million. I knew it was around. I knew it was low sixty. I want to make sure I got it right. About about sixty point one million. And how much of that was just from the Key Brian Hayes extension? Um, what was his what What was his deal worth this year? I can't think off the top of my head, but probably probably majority of it. Um, I figured what his extension was worth, but yeah, I'm sure there was at least a, a big chunk of it. Yeah, and then obviously the uh, the deal they worked out with with Brian Reynolds. Um, so, you know, you know, that's, that's one thing. Okay. So 60 million, but really you've spent it on two guys and they're not, I mean, it's not even that much money. Um, so, you know, it's just, he's, he's probably profiting a lot from not spending. And that's, that's, that's why he's, he's probably going to stick with the way he, he does things. Uh yeah, the, the Reynolds and Hayes combined this year made roughly fifteen point two five million. So, in, in essence, you you take those two away, um, which I mean, obviously you can't. They, they paid them kudos to that, but the the other twenty four guys on the active roster made roughly a combined forty five million dollars. Yeah, and then if you think about that, you know, going back with the Phillies, I mean, how much did Bryce Harper make this year? Uh, uh, he he made a hell of a lot more than anyone else on the Pirates made. I can tell you that. Harper yeah. this season, what what was his deal? Three hundred thirty million altogether, I think. So I mean, I, I think it came out to what thirty something million a year around there. But and again, we're seeing like it's just crazy concept that when you go out and spend money in free agency on these players, it pays off. Because like I mean, I know the Phillies are losing right now, and it looks like the the series is going to be two two after tonight, but. Bryce Harper is putting together one of the most clutch postseasons I've ever seen in any sport, not just baseball. Um, so, I mean, I feel like the Phillies and every one of their fans will tell you they're they're getting their investment back on on that and then some. Yeah, and and don't believe the this this um, narrative where you know the Pirates are a small market team and they're you know that they, they just can't pay for these guys, which. Because they can. I mean, look at the look at the Minnesota Twins. That's a small. In reality, that's probably a smaller market than the Pittsburgh Pirates. They went out and paid for Carlos Correa. Now, obviously, it didn't work out for them, but they they they, you know, they spent the money and they tried at least. And that's I think that's what the Pirates fans want the most from Bob Nunning is to at least give give it a shot. Like, who? What, when have they ever given it a shot? To be honest with you, uh, even that the three years that they made the playoffs, they really, they kind of, kind of lucked into it, in my opinion. Um, they, you know, they got Andrew McCutcheon, of course. You know, they had the Starling Marte, you know, all those guys, but they didn't have, uh, you know, a big time free agent like, like a Bryce Harper, for in my opinion, you know, like a guy that you're gonna spend big money for. And is going to make a difference for you in that playoff, if, in the in the playoffs. Maybe if they would have done something like that, maybe they would have been able to. Uh, maybe not Madison Bumgarner that year because he was, he was unbeatable. But uh, maybe you know 
you know, those years where we, you know, got, we lost to the St. Louis Cardinals, um, you know, after that, uh, in the, in that, uh, that, that playoff series. And then maybe, uh, maybe, uh, Jake Arietta, um, we would have been able to beat him if we had a guy that, you know, could, uh, you know, hit for some power there. We, we kind of just did not have anyone in those years besides, you know, maybe McCutcheon. Uh, and then I think the, the main, the main reason why those teams were so successful was because of pitching. So, uh, you know, you, I think if you, if you want to, if you want to be successful in this league, you have to pay, um, you know, big time players, uh, because then you'll get big time results, and that's showing in these playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. You look at the payrolls of these teams in the playoffs, the, the teams that are winning the World Series every year, and you know, I, I think you have to look past the win loss record. A lot of the time, in the payroll is really the number you do need to focus on. Yeah. Kind of leads you to that question: Is it impossible for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Is all hope lost at this point until the team is sold at, at some point, or you know, is it impossible to win? with the current situation. See, th this is one thing I've gone back and forth with people a lot over the years. I mean, is Bob Nunnick a good owner? No, absolutely not. Should the Pirates spend more money? Absolutely. That said, to say they can never win it under Bob Nutting is just, in my opinion, just it's incorrect. It's, you know, you mentioned 2015. A hill I will die on is if the current playoff system was in place in 2015, the Pittsburgh Pirates would have won the World Series. They were the best team in baseball, the most complete roster in baseball, um, and ran into Jake Arrieta, who was putting together literally the greatest stretch by a pitcher in the history of the sport. Um, and even in the game, that 2015 game, you're down by four. I think it was sixth inning, bases loaded, and Starling Marte hits 113 mile an hour. It's absolutely missile that if it had a slightest little bit of air underneath it, is a grand slam to tie the game. And if Addison Russell wasn't as good of a shortstop as he was at being a horrible human being and turns a double play on it, it catches a gap. You're scoring at least two. And who knows where that game goes. But hey, I, at least in that playoff game, we got to watch Tony Watson. That's right. Hit Jake Arrieta. Doing, doing I mean, it, to the, I will forever say that was just, a, it was a phenomenal idea by Watson and Hurdle. Like you knew you weren't going to beat him. So let's try and get him thrown out of the game. Like, I just remember sitting there watching that in, in the stands and laughing as the Pirates were trying so hard to get Arietta to go after somebody, throw a punch, do anything to get him thrown out of that game. It just didn't work. But, no, I mean, they they could win with Bob Nutting as the owner. They've proven that from, what, 13 through 18. They went to the postseason three times, had a winning record four times. And the one they do with Nutting, I will give him credit for, when the team is ready to win, he will spend more money. Has he spent enough? No. But – the payroll always increased those three years. 2017 was actually the largest, or 2016, excuse me, was actually the largest payroll in team history. Um, that team just got hurt by the fact that Garrett Cole and Francisco Liriano forgot how to pitch that season. Um, and in 2018, they when he went out and signed off on the Archer trades, much of a disaster as it was, he still brought a lot of money in on that. So he's proven he will spend when the team is ready to win. The problem is he doesn't necessarily – he's not willing to spend enough. And that's where the issues are going to always come in with Bob Nutting as the owner. But I do believe this team is capable of winning a World Series with him as owner. Now, it's going to be a lot more difficult uh, trying to do it this way than, you know, having an owner who can go out and spend more money to supplement the team. But like I said, in my opinion, 2018, 
the Pittsburgh Pirates, or 2015, excuse me, the Pittsburgh Pirates were the best team in baseball, and they would have won the World Series in the current playoff format. Um, so to, to say they can't win with nutting is not true, in my opinion. What is true is that he makes it a hell of a lot more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah, I would I would agree with that for sure. Um, you know, like he's like Marty said, they proved it already that they can they can win with Bob Nutting as an owner. My only thing is if you want to, you know, maybe disregard, you know, the how the um, wild card was, you know, handled with with it only being a one game uh, series or uh, one game playoff game or whatever, um, you know, regardless, I think even if. Even if even if he would have, I think if he would have paid for somebody, you know, a, a top level player, I think that still would have get, got us over that over the edge. I don't care who Jake Arietta, you know, doesn't matter who we were pitching. We needed to have some uh, one or two other guys that um, were going to take us over the edge, and that's that's the only issue I have with Bob Nutting is he's not going. Well, I have multiple issues with Bob Nutting, but one big issue I have with him is he's never going to pay for a top guy. And that's, that's obviously, uh, you know, disappointing as a fan to know that some, you'll see all these top free agents, uh, you know, and you know that your team's not going to be able to sign them or not willing to sign them. It's frustrating. I mean, it's, there's no other way to put it. You look at markets kind of like you were talking about earlier there, Cody, Minnesota, even San Diego, the fact that they're able to spend the amount that they are. And, uh, you know, the Pirates being such a traditional franchise with the history and everything else, and they're not willing to spend that money. It can certainly get frustrating. Um, You know, I'm assuming a lot of money is being pumped into Seven Springs as well. I know it's the the age old uh, adage there. I don't, don't know if it's a nice resort. Uh, but hopefully when the time is right, we will see the money spent on the Pirates and, um, you know, hopefully in, in the right directions there. Um, you know, I, I kind of agree. In tw- I think in 2015, I think Jake Arrieta was probably too much for the Pirates. It did result in a Gatorade cooler getting absolutely demolished by Sean Rodriguez, though. So there were some uh, silver linings in that game as well. Um, but, you know, as we as we kind of reflect again on this 2022 season and, and look now to this offseason as as we begin to wrap it up here on Rob Butcher Radio, what are you guys most excited for to, to see this offseason? Is there any free agents that, that you guys have in mind at the moment that are realistic and, um, you know, just kind of in general, what are you guys looking forward to here this offseason? Personally, uh, what I would love to see this offseason more than anything is get, get something long-term done with Brian Reynolds and O'Neill Cruz. Um, I don't know if we see either of those things, but that would definitely be the top of my wish list. Uh, I would take both of those over any big free agent spendings. Um, But in terms of free agency, I think the Pirates will be a little bit more active than we've seen in the past for a few reasons. Where the payroll number's at, um, if you look at where they're at in the rebuild, I I know they've had two straight 100-loss seasons. Excuse me, it would be three straight if a global pandemic had not held the 2020 season to 60 games. Um, but you're in a position where, you know, we've already mentioned Quinn Priest, we've already mentioned Mike Burroughs, we've already mentioned Henry Davis, we've already mentioned Andy Rodriguez. You're going to see a lot of guys start to graduate in the next year or two. Um, so in theory, again, in theory, your window of competition should start to open up probably in 2024. So how much do you want to try and bridge things to then? You know, the, this team needs help a catcher. You need an outfielder. You got to figure something out at first base. The bullpen, it might be the worst in baseball. 
The starting rotation needs help. I think they're going to be more active than people anticipate. Um, I'm not saying they're going to go out and sign Aaron Judge or anything like that, but I do expect them to spend a decent amount of money to address these situations. So I'm just curious and excited to see what they will do there. Um, I'm also very excited. One thing that excites me greatly is the, the warm feeling I get inside knowing Kevin Newman has probably played his last game with the Pittsburgh pirates. So that that's a big positive too. Oh man. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't see Kevin Newman, uh, being a part of this team next year. I, I, he, he's, I mean, we'll see, but you never know with this organization, but um, you know, I would say I, I wrote on Twitter not too long ago of my five musts uh, for the Pittsburgh pirates this off season. Marty obviously alluded to one where, you know, you extend O'Neill Cruz. That's my number one priority, but my, my, uh, my next one would probably be to get a, you know, sign a, a starting starting pitcher. I mean, that's 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 big for me. I think uh, a guy like Sean Manaya would be a solid a solid choice. He's coming off a down year, but he still, in my opinion, um, is a great pitcher, especially uh, especially for the Pirates. I think if we can sign him to a multi year deal, I think he can. You know, he can. I feel like he's still young enough where he can be a part of this team when they start winning. And he's one of those veterans that uh, could help us get um, to where we need to be, especially if, like Marty said, if our window of, you know, to starting being competitive is 2024. Well, if you sign him for a multi-year deal, he's going to be here um, when we start winning. And then you're going to have that veteran presence um, in the starting rotation. And he, and he also has a, he also has a playoff experience. I mean, he struggled mightily this year or th- this year in the playoffs with the Padres, but he's got more ex- playoff experience than anyone in the, on this roster. Uh, so I think it'd be a great idea to sign a guy like him uh, this offseason. Um, ex- that's that would probably be my number one um, guy that I would like to sign at, at least realistically um, at this for a starting pitcher. Yeah, I would love it. I think Manaya, uh, you know, still has it, no doubt, and kind of has flown under the radar here still to an extent. Um, and, and one guy I meant to mention earlier, if I had to highlight one silver lining this season, I think the Jose Quintana turnaround, you know, the, the career revival he, he saw in Pittsburgh and the fact that the Pirates were able to get a top 10 prospect from the Cardinals, uh, you know, with, with close major league help as well. I thought that was um, excellent all the way around. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we're able to see something like that again this year. And maybe, like you're saying there, Cody, it is a guy that can be here by the time the Pirates start winning. Maybe like the A.J. Burnett uh, of this version of the Pirates. Um, it's going to be a really interesting offseason to watch here. We're going to have you guys covered at rumbunter.com. We're talking about an article you had there, Cody. Go check that out, guys, along with the rest of the great work that our writers are doing. And follow us on Twitter as well, at Rumbunter. If you do not do so already, because um, as Cody knows, Twitter is always active and uh, we want to keep you guys updated on that end as well. Cody, I can't remember your handle off the top of my head. Well, pl- plug your Twitter, anything else you got uh, on the article side, what you got going on as we get into the offseason? Yeah, my uh, Twitter, if you don't follow me, is uh, Cody, obviously with a K, Cody Duncan PGH. Um, so follow me there if you want any, um, you know, offseason uh, or, you know, 
you know, transactions, whatever, covering anything. I, I talk about anything, pirates, prospects, um, you know, the big league club, anything like that. So feel free if you, if you like that stuff to, to give me a follow. No doubt. Cody, thank you so much for, for joining us for this episode. Marty, uh, as we kind of look at, at the overview on the website, no, we're excited about the, the page views we're getting, everything else going on right now. So got to thank you guys for that. What, what you got going on with the website and um, what you're looking forward to on that side of things as we get into the offseason? Yeah, just continue to follow the Arizona Fall League closely. Um, the Pirates have seven players playing the Arizona Fall League. We've been, follow, we've been covering that with about as best in-depth coverage as we can. Uh, definitely going to keep that up. And, hey, you know, we're the World Series has got tops three games remaining. So before you know it, there's going to be roster moves. There's going to be free agency. There's going to be trades. The Rule 5 draft. Uh, the general manager meetings, the winter meetings will be here before you know it. So just the, uh, you know, another week or so, and we're really going to start to see a lot of the buzz, <clears throat> a lot of the offseason talk, rumors, all that sort of stuff start to really pick up. So just make sure you uh, you check out Run Bunder for all of that. Yeah, guys, you're going to want to get on that as we get into this offseason. But until next time, for Marty Leap and Cody Duncan, my name is Trey Yannity. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Run Bunter Radio. Let's go Bucks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.